Welcome to the Your Story Matters podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Mason City Schools, where we celebrate and learn from our community stories. We're so glad you've joined us today. This is Tracy Carson, the Public Information Officer at Mason City Schools. I'm so excited to be here today with Jill Walden, who she and her husband Wade have been Mason Mason Comets for 21 years and have six Mason Comets of their own, Emily, Jack, Julmer, Sam, Jolina, and Vindy, who are all in our school's Jill is also the teacher for our staff's children. We have a staff daycare at the Mason Central Lawful. This is her fourth year there. We are so grateful to have you with us today. Thanks, Jill. Thank you, Tracy. So, Jill, what brought you and Wade to Mason 21 years ago? Yeah, it's been a long time. Um, Wade had just uh, finished his Navy career out in San Diego and was searching for a job in the Cincinnati area. Well, we are so grateful for Wade's service and for yours being next to him. That's a huge family commitment. Yes, yes, it was. And we had, um, we were just looking for different communities. And um, I am from Hamilton, Ohio, so I knew of Mason, but always considered it to be farm town. But we heard good things were coming. And there were, we wanted to be in a vibrant community, and we just heard, kept hearing all these things about Mason. And so we're like, let's go check it out. So we did, and we heard about the schools and how wonderful the schools were. And we knew we wanted to start a family when we wanted to be planted here in the Cincinnati area. And we were like, Mason, that, that's where we're going to be. And we have not regretted it at all. We are so thrilled that we made your list. You have made our community a better and a stronger one, and we appreciate that. Obviously, what you do for Mason staff's children. You get to care for a lot of uh, three, four, and five-year-olds in Mason. Um, what, What made you decide to be a teacher? Well, teaching is a second career for me. Um, I was a flavor scientist prior to teaching for seven years, and um, I was a stay-at-home mom for 15 years. And um, my husband was let go um, from his job as a vice president of operations, and we really needed health insurance. And uh, we had just recently brought home our three adopted children from Haiti, and they had significant therapy needs and medication needs. And I needed a job that would give me some flexibility, that would allow me to continue therapy and um, help them and give me some summers off. Um, But teaching has always been a love of mine. I've been involved in Vacation Bible School, and I'm actually... um, my parents were both teachers. One of them was a teacher in the Hamilton City School District, and the other one was um, my father was a teacher in the Wyoming City School District. And I watched them make a huge difference in multiple children's lives. And when they died 18 years ago, they died six weeks apart from each other. And my dad had multiple sclerosis, and he was a quadriplegic, and our family took care of him. And my mom had uh, breast cancer. And many of their former students actually came to their funerals and wrote cards to my brother and I expressing the difference that my parents had made in their lives. And I'm still in contact with many of them. And hearing those stories um, really helped me get through my parents' death and remind me today of the power one life has to make a difference in someone else's. And my pa- my parents were really passionate about education, and I watched them. Um, I got to grade papers and um, go to school with them. 
And my mom always told me, education is the one thing that no one can ever take away from you. And after my parents' death, a scholarship was set up in their name. And in the last 18 years, we have given over 25 need-based high school students money to pursue higher education. Oh my gosh, your parents' love story and also love of education is such a powerful um, exemplar for you. It's it's really clear, and and even the way you and Wade uh, love uh, your love story. You you mentioned um, adopting children from Haiti. Um, when when was that, and and how did that um, how how did that kind of come about? What what made you feel the call of you had. Did you have... We already had three children at the time, and adoption is something that um, I've been very passionate about since I was a a little girl. Um, I truly believe that every child deserves a family. A family unit is so important, and without a family unit, children cannot become who God created them to be. And so um, in in that respect, my life has been very different. because most people think that adoption is a, is a fairy tale, and it, in a lot of ways it is very beautiful, but in a lot of ways it is very, very painful. Mm-hmm. And um, after um, my parents' death, I brought my grandmother, who was still living, to live in our home, and um, she was 93 years old, and she had dementia. And I, I knew after she had passed away that, that she had had some conversations with me um, saying, you really need to make a difference in the world. And I had already had that calling, and I felt that after her death, it was time for us to explore adoption. And so, so you, had, you had caretaken for your parents and your grandmother at home my goodness yes which is not easy either (laughs) no no it was not easy but um and it 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 was hard but it was beautiful and it's made me stronger Mm -hmm. and it's made me more compassionate um and less judgmental um and it I have no regrets whatsoever um caring for them at all it's taught me a, a lot um so we decided to adopt after my grandmother passed away. Um, originally, we looked within uh, the United States. We had filled out all of our paperwork, and we were on a waiting list, and we wanted any child. And it didn't matter what if they came with a disability or not. We just wanted a child. And we were on the waiting list for a whole entire year, and we never got matched. And we were really surprised and saddened because we really wanted to expand our 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 family so during that time we had talked to our children and originally we were just planning on getting one child and it we wanted a a daughter because my oldest daughter wanted a A sister. sister and the boys came to us and said well if she's getting a sister we want brothers and I was like whoa that's 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 a lot. That's like doubling down. And I said, we'll see what God decides. So we prayed about it for as a, as a family. And during that time, the earthquake happened in Haiti. And we watched 
all of the suffering and we watched all the devastation and destruction and we were significantly moved by it. And we watched an orphanage called God's Little Angels um, bring 21 uh, children from Haiti to Miami instantly. And I got really curious and I was like, oh, I, I want to know more about this orphanage. So I Googled them and then they started a blog about what life was like after the earthquake. And you would watch parents come and they would document um, parents relinquishing their children. So um, there was one, one moment where we were like, maybe, maybe we're not supposed to adopt domestically. Maybe it's supposed to be international. And so we went through all the paperwork again, all the home studies, the fingerprints, and we submitted our, our paperwork internationally. And during that time, I saw some pictures of um, my, my current children. And um, I was looking through, and it was right before my 40th birthday, and I saw this beautiful child um, my son with this beautiful smile Mm. and it caught my eye and I saw the hurt in his eyes and I was like wow look look at all of his beautiful features but look at at the the trauma that he had and um, at that moment when I was looking at that picture I heard God's voice say these are your children and I was really taken back by it because um, the, t- the timing of my 40th birthday and my children agreeing to the, the fact that they wanted more than just one and and the provision that it was just right there at that time. And I turned to my husband and I said, I know this is crazy and you're not going to believe this, but I just heard these are our children and we need to explore this option. And so we did. And three years later after that, um, we ended up bringing home our children. So for the three years in between, what were you doing during that process and what were the, what were the kids doing? Doing Well, during that process, um, we were doing a lot of research. Children with trauma come with a lot of behavior problems and we were getting educated about what um, that would look like in our, in our household. Um, when you think about Haiti, Haiti is the um, poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, and so they don't have clean running water. So you're you're going back to the basics of um, this is how you use the bathroom. Um, when we brought our children home, they didn't know how to use it, utensils, and they were nine, seven, and five when they came home, and they had never experienced school at all. They had no idea what school was like at all. And they spoke a different language. Um, so during those those three years, we were connecting with other people who were bringing ho- home children from the orphanage, and we were educating ourselves of what what are how are we going to have to change our lives and ourselves, and what kind of things are we going to have to sacrifice in order to incorporate these children? And then, of course, you always have the um, my children are from Haiti, and we are a white family. And we really had to educate ourselves on um, diversity and inclusion and what does that look like. And um, being 
in the Mason City School District, we um, felt really comfortable knowing that there is so much diversity and um, this district is so inclusive. Um, we felt very comfortable knowing that we would not experience a, what a lot of families across the United States experience. But to be honest with you, we have experienced discrimination and it has been very difficult for our family to experience discrimination because our hearts are for children. Mm-hmm. And when we look at our, our, our children and our brothers and our sisters, we, we see their heart. We don't see anything else other than their heart. And it's really hard when we travel. Um, people will stare at us and people will come up and make comments. And we've had some really hurtful comments as well. So we've really tried to surround ourselves with people who get it. Um, because there are a lot of people still that just don't get it. Yeah. You know, I, I think there are so many layers of that story for your family. And it's not even just a story, it's your life yes. of, of one, uh, the trauma. And even as I think about these, ki- these, these children who you already knew you had been called that you were supposed to be their mother and they, I'm sure were longing to be with you. The, mm-hmm. the pain it must have been to that length of time and I'm sure there were reasons that people needed to vet you and a country isn't just going to hand over children um but but that must have been difficult for the kids too to be waiting and thinking I I think of how long it is to wait for anything right um and yet at the same time then you add on the layers of even once you get here and you started your story by saying adoption isn't a fairy tale and I know that even when you were doing all that work um, it's still, there are things, uh, you know, racism is ugly it and is. to have, um, all, even as you were preparing yourself to then see it and to see, to see people make biased comments to your child, mm-hmm. um, what that, what that felt like and continues to feel like as yes. you, um, as you learn more and try to prepare your children for what is a better life than where they were, but still not a perfect life. Right. Right. Um, it, it, there is a, lo- a lot of pain um, that our family has experienced, but, and, and we have experienced it willingly. And I, I think that's, that's the hardest thing, is that um, when you go in with the, with the intentions of, this is going to be hard, this is going to look different, um, everyone in the family has really suffered trauma. And the pain is something that we still currently manage every day. There are behaviors that we still manage every day, and it affects all of us. Um, My biological children have secondary trauma. Um, That's something that my husband and I, while we were prepared for it, we weren't prepared. We were... It's, it's difficult when you have biological children because it's like you sign up. We all sign up together. And we all sign up to walk this journey together. But I can tell you, through the most difficult times, because some of the behaviors that most people would not realize, and this is being real and relevant in the Walden household, is we have children um, who steal. We have children who hit. 
We have children who like to destroy when things don't go their way. Um, you know, my husband and I have tried to model unconditional love and unconditional love is looking at a child who is hitting you and bruising you and spitting on you and saying, I love you. And even though this behavior is not something that I like. Yeah. What, as a community, what can a community, what can community members, what can neighbors do to walk beside this journey with you? Because I think that is so important. We, you know, you're, you're not alone in that we have, uh, we have lots of families in our community who have had this call yes. and, and thankful that they have because mm-hmm. we need every child to have a home and to be loved in the way that you and, and your family are working that through. But, but those of us who are not on that exact journey, what can we do to help? What would be, what, what are the kinds of things that friends and neighbors should be doing to help support families who, who have this, who have your needs? Uh, you know, I think um, we have fantastic neighbors and the school district has been fantastic. Um, all of my teachers know our stories. And they have been so gracious and so caring to all of my children um, and, and really just been there for them. And if my children, any of them, have needed a moment, they have been given that grace. Um, you know, we are, we are far from perfect, and we are still learning how to parent two different ways because um, basically that's what you're doing. You have a solid attachment with your biological children, but with your um, adopted children, you have to build that attachment, and that takes time. Um, so a lot of what we see with our, our neighbors is, is just sitting with us and talking, and there will be situations where we're just like, we're, where I personally have just needed someone to say it's going to be okay you're doing the right thing keep walking forward just keep swimming um providing a meal giving my husband and I just a few moments to maybe just go to the grocery store together um you know the gift of time is is the best gift um and the gift of presence just being there physically sitting next to me and maybe just holding someone's hand and saying you know it's gonna be okay you're gonna get through this let's let's think of a way let's pray yeah obviously your your faith is deeply um influenced your life your decisions all of these things are rooted in your deep belief and I know you're a Christian talk talk about that and how what that's like to have um your faith kind of be such an important part and center for you well, I, I was taught early on that, that God is, is the most important thing in your life and you need to place him first. And, um, you know, I have been through a lot of, of difficult situations um, in, in my life. And I feel like the only way that I have made it through those difficult situations is through my faith and relying on God. Um, because we live in a broken world and we are broken people. And um, if it wasn't for him, I don't know how I would have survived losing both of my parents early on. Um, I don't know how I would um, have survived the, the, the trauma of having a, a sick parent 
prior to even losing them when I was in high school, um, I don't I don't know how I would have walked this this journey without God. You know, when you talked about losing parents young, mm-hmm. and and we have students who are also doing that. So many times, someone at school has been the person to step in that gap. Yes. Did you have a teacher or someone who was there for you in those moments? And and what did that look like? I did. I had a wonderful teacher and he was my um, biology comparative anatomy teacher. And um, when I suffered my adverse childhood event, um, it made it so difficult to go to school. Um, I just wanted to be with my family. And um, I just remember um, there were certainly uh, teachers that did not understand what was going on at home and, and didn't build a relationship with me, but, but my, my biology teacher, he did. He was all in. Every time I walked into his classroom, he greeted me by my name. He said, Jill, I am so excited you're here. We're going to learn some great things today. Um, when I was struggling, uh, he, would, he used two phrases. And I believe in you, Jill. I have faith in you, Jill. Mm. And hearing those words day after day after day, I started to believe them myself. And he invested so much personal capital into me. It, It was amazing. I'm still great friends with him. And he is the teacher that I strive to be with all of my students and all of the children that I work with in the color guard, I want to be the one who invests in them and knows them. And if something happens and their world falls out, I want to be the one that gets the phone call from them. I need you. I want to be there for them. That's, that's what I, what happened to me and that's what I want for everyone, every student, every person that I actually come in contact with. I want them, I want, relationships are so important, and we are built for relationship, and I want to have those authentic, real real relationships with every person that I meet. You know, which is part of our comic culture. You know, that's been, it's such a critical piece of you know, building meaningful relationships. And, and when we know people, when we know their story, you know, your biology teacher knew your story and he was reaching out. And I think that, um, you mentioned, you know, in the, an adverse childhood effect event, event, which, which causes trauma and, and obviously prepared you (laughs) in your heart for what you were going to do as a journey. But the truth is many, many people are carrying around trauma and carrying around um, a burden that if we can have an authentic, real relationship with each other, I often think, um, you know, and and our community is such a special place, and we do have people who are ready to come beside you, but there also can sometimes feel like... um, everybody else looks perfect and 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 I can't share sometimes that mm-hmm. there's really messy or pain happening mm-hmm. and I think what your story is telling us is that when we are vulnerable enough to say hey I don't have everything figured out and I'm still learning and our family is our family and we love them but we need your help 
it makes all the difference. It does. It makes all the difference. You know, um, one of the things that I just love about, about Mason is we are a community. When someone is in need, there are people that reach out to you. And I think that's what makes us so strong um, is, is that community. I, there, are, there are a handful of people that I know that, in, that I can count on, and there are many other people that I'm sure would, would step up. And, you know, mental health needs to be addressed. It is not going away. The stigma needs to be removed, and people need to feel free to talk about the things, the painful things, the hard things that happen because life is hard, and it's not fair, and it's not easy. And there are people like myself who would be more than happy to sit with you at any point in time. And and that's one of the things that I really think that is really important, relationships and when you are in a relationship and you have conversations with people, it doesn't have to be perfect. There is so much beauty in the brokenness. There, there is, and learning, and yes. learning. So what brings you joy? <laughs> what brings me joy? Um, I, was, I was thinking about this last night. And um, my daughter goes, oh, I know what, what brings you joy. It's Disney World, Kings Island, Jenny's ice cream. Oh, Jenny's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the excited little voices who greet me in the morning saying, Miss Jill, Miss Jill. But my true joy is the diversity of my family. It is beautiful and it is breathtaking. They are everything to me oh, they really are you're gonna make <laughs> I, on the mic I am kind of getting a little bit teary myself because I agree you have a beautiful family do you I know you guys have a motto that you that you kind of live by what's your uh, one of your favorite quotes that you have one of, one of my um, we have two mottos um, we do hard and we do hard well and um, we often talk about we have to persevere and even when things get hard, we just have to keep going. And then we talk about be, being the one. We have to be the one. Each one of us has to be the one every day to someone else. We have the power to provide comfort to someone. We have the power to encourage. Um, we can go. We can be the one that goes above and beyond what is expected. And we can be the one who makes someone's life easier. And being that one person makes a huge difference. And we are one family who made a difference in one other family's life because all of my adopted children are from the same family. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what our motto is. We, we've, we've learned to meet people where they are but not leave them there and grow together in one direction together. Well... We're so grateful for that and the lessons that you are teaching from your example of being real, but also um, being the one for others. We are grateful for that. We always end our podcast with a comparison question. And because you are a flavorings engineer, um, (laughs) I'm going to ask if you were picking your uh, between two incredible flavoring ads, it could be either cherry or chocolate. It would definitely have to be chocolate. 
anything chocolate is is great in my book. Well, we now know the key to Miss Jill's heart. We are so grateful for you and for all the Waldens who provide um, us all with such an example of how a family comes together and does does hard, but also does it well. We are grateful. Thank you, Tracy. We've reached the end of one of our stories. It's goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Mason City Schools Your Story Matters podcast, where we believe every unique story deserves an audience. If you know of someone who has a great story to tell, email Carson T at MasonOhioSchools.com. And don't forget to subscribe to hear more of our community stories.